Hashtag getting the final frontier. These are the stories of Auburn grad Jan Davis. Her continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no astronaut has gone before. Well, I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see. see? It, it looks something like this. You're listening to the Hashtag Getting Podcast, brought to you by Auburn University's Samuel Ginn College of Engineering. Folks, it is a very special episode of Hashtag Getting, the best podcast in all of higher education. I'm Jeremy Henderson, a communications specialist in the Samuel Ginn College of Engineering's Office of Communications and Marketing, joined, as always, by my co-host, acting director of said office, acting Austin Phillips, Marcus Klutz over here on the keys, just turning knobs and breaking hearts. And we are joined <laughs> today, I mean, as a special guest today, arguably the, the specialist, the most, uh, you probably were a specialist, actually, right? Mission specialist. A mission yeah, specialist. Right? Yeah. Perfect. Sh- yeah, most <laughs> special one. You are full of them. Jan Davis. The the Jan Davis. <laughs> That's right. Mechanical engineering grad, 77? Seven? Mm-hmm. 77. Yep. And former astronaut. Do you have to say right. former? I mean, or is it once astronaut, always an astronaut? I like that. <laughs> I would say once astronaut. Always. I say former. Other people say I don't have to say that. But I say, say former. Mr. President. Otherwise, they, they'll think I'm still flying. And, you know, <laughs> it's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you. So I just shook your hand and met you for the first time. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And but it it feels like for me that was like a moment. I'm like shaking a space hand. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you got back, did you notice people treating you differently? Oh, like yeah. like you have been imbued with some sort of <laughs> mystical power or cosmic, kind <laughs> yeah. of, you know that you are now a different kind of being in a sense. Yeah. You do, yeah, you, yeah, that happens all the time, and and especially with kids, you know, the parents say, "Oh, these they can't wait to talk to you and ask you lots of questions," and they just look at me, just stare at me. <laughs> yeah, I may only sanitize the left for a yeah, while. I was about to say, <laughs> I'm, I'm not washing this one for a little while. I mean, seriously, I mean, I was like, I mean, I had, I was like, I'm, I paid attention to it in a way I don't pay attention to other handshakes, and I'm like, I mean, well, so do you still get that though when you yeah, meet but people? The space is washed off. So you're not getting any space. <laughs> Wash off all there's, the aliens. So yeah. there's no there's no moon yeah. dust on there. Yeah. It's nice, though. Yeah, I, I mean, we had Walt Waltos on here, you know, talking about rolling the space shuttle. We've ha- we've had some folks talking about the space, but uh, I've mentioned this in previous podcasts. I had the, you know, the shuttle poster that said Auburn mm-hmm. on there. Oh yeah. And so this is just extremely yeah. special. And uh, thank you. You know, looking at your career, you you um you you go as we mentioned a little bit ago, you, <clears throat> Georgia Tech a little bit, um, <laughs> but then smartened up, got to, got a degree from Auburn, mechanical mm-hmm. engineering degree from Auburn. Um, but then Once you, you got your grades up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't tell Dean Roberts yeah. that. Um, but you you start a career in Texaco, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so not necessarily space. So where does that transition make to where all of a sudden that you are in the airspace, you you go to Marshall? How, how did that happen? Well, when I graduated from Auburn in 77, the space program was almost non-existent. We'd finished flying, you know, Apollo. We hadn't yet flown space shuttle. And uh, so there were no jobs in the space industry. And fortunately, with a mechanical engineering degree, I could go to work in the petroleum industry, which is where the highest paying jobs were. So, you know, I went where there was a job. <laughs> right. Um, and worked there almost two years. Uh, and then NASA started hiring again. 
1979, I went to work for NASA. So that's how I ended up from Texaco to NASA. You know, it was a it was a different time period. Um, being a female, is that something that you aspired as a kid? I mean, did, did you look up? Did you did you look at these things happening in the space industry and go, I'm going to do that one day? No, not really, because when I was growing up, they didn't have women astronauts. Right. They were all male military test pilots. Right. Uh, but I grew up in Huntsville, Alabama, and they were testing the Saturn V, all the engines on the Saturn V. And I was surrounded by engineers and people who worked out at NASA, and I was just uh, awed by NASA and, you know, never dreamed I would be able to go to work there, much less fly in space. But, yeah, Von Braun was there. I went to school with his kids and it was just such an inspiration, and, and that's why I knew I wanted to study engineering, although I didn't know I'd be working for NASA someday. So I was hoping it was going to be a scene. Space Camp. You ever seen Space Camp? Oh, yeah. 1986. You love yeah. this film. Right. No, I love Space Camp. You see? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah well, like the opening scene where Kate Capshaw's character is you know, looking up, and I think like with her dad and looking up. At the side. I was hoping there'd be a scene like that in your life, but no. Later. Later. <laughs> later on. Not so when I was little. You first went into the great beyond. In 92, mm-hmm. but you became an astronaut in 87. Right. Now, that's right after Challenger. Right. Right. And there hadn't even been a space shuttle mission in, in between then. The, the next one wasn't until 88, 88. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I mean, psychological. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I donate to I Wikipedia every year. He shows up for half a day yeah. most of the time, but he puts in good hours in those four. <laughs> exactly. I make it count. <laughs> but so you i mean psychologically was that how did that play into things i mean i, I would you think mean the accident yeah for you and then like okay well yeah, now the, i'm becoming yeah, right. an astronaut after this this horrible horrible thing well i interviewed for astronaut in 1984 okay. so that was the first time you know that i had been to houston where the training facilities were and you know met a lot of other astronauts and i was just really excited to be there because there were five thousand applicants and they only interviewed 128 and i was working on my phd and i thought man you know i got to get this finished so that i'll be more qualified and um so that was in 84 and i wasn't selected and then the accident happened in 86 and I was still at NASA Marshall Space Flight Center, and they assigned me to work part of the redesign, not the part that failed, but a different part of the booster um, after the Challenger accident. And so I worked very closely with the engineers and people who worked on the space shuttle, and I had utmost confidence in them. And um, my mother called me the day of the accident to ask me if I was still interested in being an astronaut since I had interviewed, and that was my goal. I said, absolutely. You know, there's risk in everything that we do, flying a airplane regular airplane driving cars there's risk you know there are tornadoes i mean you just don't know so why not do something that benefits people and you know is a very fulfilling career and um you know something for our country service to our country so where, i was not deterred at all by that where were you, do you i was at work at nasa at marshall um, we always uh went to a conference room and watched the launches so what it was, was the, very very sobering and we started working right away Trying really? to figure out what happened. Yeah. That just, day. That takes my breath away. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That, that's for our cool. generation, that's something yeah. that has always stuck with you. So um, my, my astronaut class was the first class selected after the accident. So we got that question well, a lot. It, theoretically, had you been selected in 84, mm-hmm. would there have been a chance that you could have been on that? Or would uh, it have been too short of a turnaround? Probably not. Yeah, okay. that's really too short. It takes about two years training uh, just basic shuttle stuff uh, and then another year or more. Um, in my case, it was three years because it was in Japan, uh, training for your specific mission. So, you know, that would have really been 
too too close talk to time. about the training i mean just yeah. how how intensive is that to get you to get <laughs> not only prepared for what you actually have to do uh, of what you're you're being sent up there for but just the physical to, what do you what do you all do you do you do for that well um the biggest challenge is a mental challenge there's just so much to learn um the physical challenge is there too especially training for a spacewalk or some of the other things um you know we get centrifuge training so we know how to experience the g's during launch but uh as I said, it's it's a mental challenge to learn so much about the shuttle systems themselves, but also they have experts come in and teach about astronomy and meteorology. We took a geology field trip to New Mexico and, you know, we just had um, all kinds of great learning experiences and I like to learn. So that was wonderful. But then uh, for flying the T-38 jets, we had to go through the survival training that the Air Force uh flyers have to do so water survival desert survival not desert but um wilderness survival and parachute training and all that kind of stuff and so that was kind of intense ejection seat training but i loved it i mean that was just exciting for me to be able to fly you know a military jet i mean that was just awesome because i was already a little plane pilot and so um it was all just more than I ever thought it would be. I need some anxiety meds just I know, right <laughs> now. <laughs> my, my blood pressure's just up right now. The centrifuge thing at the like the fairgrounds fair, would freak that, me that's out. What I'm just saying that you're like, just I'm standing just, up oh, against the thing. Gosh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're in the seat, mm-hmm. and this thing's about to take off. What is going through your mind? I mean, I, I just can't imagine what this is like. Well, in my case, I had been training for five years um, for that flight. So you just ready for I just to get wanted ready. to go. <laughs> and there have been so many flights, you know, that were delayed or they climb in. I have to lay there for two hours and then climb back out. And I just wanted to go and get to work and, you know, do the mission. So um, I wasn't worried about, you know, I wasn't scared or worried about, you know, what, what could happen because you've already sort of accepted that. Um, that that could happen but but, but um, even then is it like you know yeah. when i'm on an airplane and you know you're taking off or landing mm-hmm. and you hear something and you're like oh my god was it supposed <laughs> to do that i mean do you have any of those moments during it especially when the you know the the side rockets are coming up you know those pivotal moments of of when the challenger when right, things went right. wrong did do you have any of that of uh, okay was that was that sound right you know those well, type they of did things. a really good job of preparing us for all of those unusual sights and sounds i mean the simulators have are motion-based simulators and they have the view out the window even of like when the boosters separate the flash um and so they really prepared us for for the launch part you know i really didn't have any surprises and i knew what the g's were going to feel like i knew i'd still be able to breathe and you know even with the heavy suit and the oxygen bottles and all that so um that was not a surprise the only surprise to me during that first mission was uh we were flying um i guess through the aurora which was incredible, you know, because sure. it's just moving, dancing up and down, <laughs> sideways. There's just beautiful colors. And uh, and I went to bed, and there were flashes of light with my eyes closed, flashes of light in my eyes. And I thought, uh-oh, better that? not tell the flight surgeon about this. <laughs> what's going on there? Yeah, what's going on? Well, you don't know? And uh, so um, I was a little worried about that. And then I heard some crew members saying, wow, look at that. You get flashes in your eyes, you know, when you close your eyes. There's just so much energy that gets emitted as photons. That's all it is. It's just energy that, that comes Weird. out as light. And in fact, that's what causes the aurora. So it was, it was, um, that was the only thing that surprised me. How but, long of a time from, you know, when that, when it, you start take off till, you know, it's, it's more calm. And, mm-hmm. it, and it's not the, you know, everything shaking, that type of stuff. How, how What kind of time frame or is, is that flight? Well, the boosters, the solid rocket boosters provide most of the vibration and 
shaking and noise, and that's two and a half minutes. And then the main engines, the three main engines on the back of the shuttle, stay on for another six minutes. I mean, they're going the whole time. So eight and a half minutes total for the engines to be on, two and a half minutes of that, the boosters. So once the boosters come off, it's pretty quiet ride. The, those main engines are smooth engines. That's a really nice ride. And then when they uh, stop, um, and the fuel, of course, is in the external tank, so the external tank goes away, um, you're in space. After eight and a half minutes, you're floating. Wow. If you weren't strapped in, so you'd be So the seatbelt light goes off, and <laughs> yeah, you can right. move among the cabin yes, now, get your right. snacks that's and your drinks. That's okay. exactly right. In fact, um, I had to get up right away because I was in charge of taking a picture of the tank as it falls away because they want to see you know, the condition of the tank because it breaks up in the atmosphere when it comes down to Earth, so they don't have any evidence of how the tank I never knew that. Yeah. So I had to get up right away. And so, yeah, I got to float. How long are you up there? That first mission was an eight-day mission. Okay. And second yeah. one? Second 12 days and the third 12 days. So, okay. so you, were, you were in space a month. Right, a month basically of a your month. life. Right. How in the world? I mean, that's pretty long, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, the space astronauts? station people are up there six months. Oh, no. And one that's guy crazy. was crazy. Well, even more than one up there for a year, more than a year. In the second one, you went up with a... Uh, Russian, I yes, do believe. I did. How in the world was that? The first first uh, time we collaborated with the old cosmonauts. Uh, well, they go? actually flew uh, with them on the Apollo Soyuz back in '75, but on the shuttle, this was the first time. First, on the shuttle, that's what I meant. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I knew what you meant. <laughs> so uh, you know, the Soviet Union collapsed in '92, I think, and we were supposed to fly in '93. Um, so we were. We were training with them. They were training with us. They came to the United States. We had a, a cosmonaut who flew with us and then a backup. So the two of them came to the United States and trained with us. And it was incredible because, I mean, some of the people on my crew, like my commander, were ex-military. And they would joke that they were trained to kill each other. You know, the <laughs> Russians were going to kill us. And then we were going to so because they were fighter pilots. And so still keep in touch with them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the cosmonaut? Yes. Really? Absolutely. When was the last time you talked to him? Oh, gosh, I was at a conference with him um, earlier this year. Really? I'm just, yeah. I'm just picturing Armageddon, you know, when they get there and he's yeah. on the space station. He's like, Do not touch these. Mm, never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> he was the guy that flew with us was the person who was in the um, in space when the Soviet Union collapsed. He was by himself. <laughs> oh remember gosh. the story of the stranded no, cosmonaut? But that's, oh, oh man. He, so he was up there. He's the last commie, you know. <laughs> he Hello? was up there 10 months. Hello. So. Yeah. You know, eight days, 12 days. How long when you get back? Does, you know, just going yeah. on a cruise, it takes yeah. me a couple of days to stop moving. So right. when, when you get back, how long does it take for your body to really readjust to being back here on gravity? I would say a couple of days. I mean, um, you know, the thing about your vestibular system when you're in space, you're not you don't have the effect of gravity. So the fluid in your ears isn't giving you balance right. or direction. So when you land, um you know, it's hard like to walk around a corner or walk up and down stairs and stuff like that. So, you're so that's me, different. When you're upside down in space, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like you're upside down mm-hmm. on Earth. No. You just doesn't matter where you are. Right. Wow, mm-hmm. that's kind of wild. So, so being that yeah. we, we have, what, six astronauts mm-hmm. uh, here six at the university, you know, mm-hmm. how did that help? help you along the way of of knowing i can do this this has been done before here at auburn yeah i was at nasa when uh tk mattingly and hank harsville flew on sts4 and i met both of them after that launch and talked to them and that was pretty exciting that uh 
that Auburn had people who had flown in space. That particular flight was the first flight of the orange external tank, and they they said they needed a blue stripe around it. Yeah, so oh, I thought I that was that. pretty neat. I love that. <laughs> did you take any yeah. Auburn stuff up there with you? I did, yes. What'd you take? Every flight, I took something from Auburn. Um, I think I've seen, uh, well, I've seen a photo like a with pennant, somebody. Like yeah. a I, I flew a pennant. The first flight I flew, we, we're allowed to carry two things on board on Ooh. where you can take them out of your locker and display them. Everything else uh, is stowed. But uh, so one of the two things I flew was an Auburn pennant. And we had a module on that flight, our laboratory module. And uh, so you're supposed to take your item out and take a picture and then put it back. Well, I left it up there the whole mission because <laughs> our mission manager was an Alabama grad. So oh, I said, gosh. I told him, I said, when you, you guys survived. have an Alabama Amazing. astronaut, you can put it. You can, <laughs> that's that's about you got back. But and you trusted anyway, on the whole time. Yeah, so I left it up there. Awesome. But yeah, I flew something from Auburn every uh, mission. Um, sometimes I ask Auburn, you know, what they wanted me to fly. In that case, I just flew my own pennant. I also always had an orange and blue shirt. Um, we're not allowed to put logos on it, but I always had an orange and blue mm. shirt mm. with me. So, yes, we're eagle. Favorite food up there. Mike Ogles wanted me to, uh, director of NASA programs here, wanted me to ask you your favorite food in space. I thought it was a weird question, but I'm doing it as a favor. Well, those That's dehydrated what... strawberries that I used to get from <laughs> going up to Marshall, those were delicious when really? I was a kid. Oh, they were awesome. There was a lot of good stuff there yeah, that they used to a, sell. Yeah, we have a lot of dehydrated food that yeah. campers use. Right. But uh, the interesting thing about your taste is that it changes. It changes? It, it changes. Like yeah. it changes just up there? Like when yeah. you come back, it's changed too? Like no, you're like I mean, in just when you're up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Up there, it changes. Up there, it changes. Like for yeah. the good or like for well, the better just, or the it worse? It dulls your senses, so you can't taste things as well. Is that the same with your smell? Yep. It's Why in the smell. world does it I, do I, that? I don't know. But uh, for that reason, spicy things tasted better. And so shrimp cocktail was my favorite. Well, you're talking and Austin's. I put Tabasco on everything, you know, because right. I needed that yeah. spicy. Needed and on flame. the ground, I don't eat very spicy stuff. But up there, I had to have it. And then the other weird thing was um, I drink artificially sweetened drinks. And that's what I had ordered when I put together my menu. And, man, that artificial sweetener tasted awful in space for really? some reason. Yeah. Like what kind of sweetener are we doing? Diet Coke? Uh, it was NutraSweet, so I don't know. Can you know. drink Diet Coke with the carbonation no. in there? Mm-mm. Can't do that. No, but, you know, like artificially like sweetened tang. Tang and, and stuff. Yeah, powdered so tea, of, coffee. Out of all your missions, what is probably the best thing, you know, research-wise that, that you guys were doing? What's the, probably the best thing that came out of all three of those missions? Well, all three of mine had a lot of scientific experiments, and um, the one that's the most meaningful to me was on my second mission. Um, it was protein crystal growth experiment, which flew on every one of my missions and flies on station now, space station. But uh, on this particular flight, um, well, let me just give you a little background. Protein crystal growth is um, to grow a perfect crystal of a, of a protein, like your body's made of proteins, right? Mm-hmm. And so they want to know what the proteins look like exactly so that a, a particular drug can attach to it to prevent a bad bug from attaching to it. You know, they just need to know the structure. So they bring the protein back, do a 3D computer model of what we grew in space. So on my flight, the second flight, they they didn't know what insulin looked like back in 1994. Um, they had three potential structures of insulin, but they didn't know exactly. So we had two big batch uh, runs with insulin and grew a perfect crystal, which has made breakthroughs and, you know, research for diabetes and um, artificial insulin that kind of stuff but uh 
that particular flight was a one-shift mission, so my crystal started growing when I was supposed to go to bed. <laughs> and the ground wanted me to go to bed, and I, you know, I had to do some things to the experiment to keep the crystal growing, and I didn't want to go to bed i wanted to make this crystal grow and and it did so does it get annoying when they're down there telling you trying to call the shots i mean do you ever do that thing like tom hanks and they just start ripping off the sensors and all that stuff you know so they don't know what's going on right. do you ever do that no, never did that you get to pull rank yeah, and be I mean, like i'm the one no, up here they, she, she believes in work hard work i guess hard, so. that's it right, work, I guess work, so. work. um but the ground is so helpful in everything that we do and they're monitoring things when we're asleep and i've been in mission control as a capcom so i know what it's mm-hmm. like down there so um we we didn't i mean no you don't get irritated i just told him i wasn't going to go to sleep <laughs> so the president announces that we're going back to the moon mm-hmm. and then we're going beyond mars right five years um Auburn, with our additive manufacturing initiatives mm-hmm. here, going to play a huge part in getting those rockets and getting yes. us there. How awesome is that to see Auburn being a major player again oh, yeah. in the space program that's going to really help drive us figuratively and literally? Absolutely. And, and there are a lot of Auburn engineers, not only at Marshall, but the other space centers. Um, and so we're building the space launch and uh, space launch system with the uh, which is the rocket with the orion crew module on top and uh that's what i'm working on now um still at nasa as a contractor and um really exciting because we're the hardware is being built right now we'll start uh, testing it with the fuel next year um which is going to be very cool with the engines and the fuel tank and everything so uh and then hopefully launch uh mid 21 going back Going, going back just real quick to wrap it up. Do you feel, you know, everybody looking at you different, differently and thinking like, oh, wow. I mean, do you feel like different? I mean, do you do you, do you walk around? I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of psychologically what that would be like going up there and then. Or is it just like, oh, I went to. Jeremy, I don't think we could handle I, you I, if I, you were an astronaut. <laughs> I just feel like you would have this I would strut. come down. I would be wearing rings and having people kiss, kiss them. Yeah, go, go ahead. And just expecting people to get out of the way. But I mean, just, I don't know. I just try to think about psychologically. Or is it just like, oh, I went to Egypt and it was pretty cool? Well, it seems like a dream, really. It's just hard to believe that I did that. But I think what really happens psychologically, um, two things. One, you see how small the earth is and and you really wish everybody could get along because we're all in the same home and our, and our, you know, atmosphere is so thin, we need to take care of it. But really, it's such a team effort. And when you're, you know, all three of my flights were international. So I worked with people around the world on my missions. And um, the teamwork that it takes from international and here in our country with contractors and NASA, it's incredible. I mean, it takes thousands of people. And you feel very humbled by all of that because you're the lucky one that gets to ride you know i mean yeah it's a lot of hard work but very fortunate to have that opportunity and those people make it happen as well as the american taxpayers you know all of you made that happen and so it's very gratifying and it's very um humbling but it it um you know it's not something i go around talking about posting about. about i was about to say we're, we'll go around and talk <laughs> yeah. about it for you like, guess who i talked exactly. to exactly as soon as we get out of here i'm getting off mom and dad guess who i met today hey uh i wish we could go on for another 60 well, minutes or so as a subscription service or something we could right. just keep going but anyway thanks so much for your time jan well, it's an absolute me. honor you can obviously tell we're giddy over this so uh anyway war eagle and war eagle. Uh, thanks for everything yeah war eagle jan. thanks for having thank me. you